Hello, everyone. I'm Dan Whedon. Welcome to another edition of Unleashed the Podcast. This is episode number nine, live streaming again because I have a fantastic guest who I'm going to introduce to you very, very soon. But first, I got to get a little bit of the, the business out of the way. Unleashed the Podcast is a place that you should be going and listening to all the time. What you have to do is go to Google Podcasts, go to Stitcher, go to Spotify, go to iTunes, find Unleash the Podcast, subscribe, listen. Heck, while you're there, give us a rating of five uh, or, or whatever you'd like to give. We want you there. So uh, I'm, I'm thrilled uh, to have episode number nine uh, airing in real time with my very good mate. And I'm going to start using mate because I just love it. This is, this is I'm calling him Dean Rob from un, Down Under. Dean Robinson from Australia. Heck, Dean, happy Saturday to you. Hey, all the way from the future. Good day, mate. How you all going? the way from the future. This is a, a real good day, mate. Uh, I'm excited, excited to have you here. Uh, so everybody knows uh, Dean and I have gotten to know each other pretty well over the last few years. Uh, we play in the same consultant uh, playground with some other great consultants. And Dean and I have gotten a chance to, to really get to know each other. I love Dean's business model. We're going to talk a lot about family business today and specifically on a recent article he wrote for his newsletter. Uh, Dean, before we get started, though, I think this is a great chance to tell everybody a little bit about your business, uh, what you've been doing, just a, a few minutes on Dean Robinson and the family business. Sure. So basically, uh, I work with only a small number of family businesses. And what I do is I, I play in the numbers space, but I make sense of the numbers. So, and for me, the numbers are critical to everything else that works in family business. So, you know, if, if your business is not profitable, for instance, you can't make decisions about succession planning or estate planning or growing your wealth elsewhere. So I basically do a lot of handholding with my family business clients in that space. Um, my background was an accountant. Uh, I've been playing in this space a long time. For me, it's incredible because uh, I always believe one of the, um, the greatest honours anyone can actually afford you is to invite you into their home. Yeah. And in a family business space, they're doing that virtually all the time. I mean, and when you are spending a long time, and I've got relationships that are 20 and 30 years in existence, it's, it's a real pleasure to actually see things change and evolve and, and, and help them along the journey along the way too. So for instance, I caught up with a, a former client the other day um, and he was happy to show me around his new premises. And we talked about how far he had come in that period and where he started and how we helped him through that process right at the start. And it's, it's just, for me, these, there's a lot of really golden untold stories about success in family business. The media is full of all the big business stuff. What we don't see is all the really great stuff that happens at the mum and dad business level. Well, you know, Dean, here in the United States as well, and I'm sure actually all over the world, the, the, the mom and pop type business can be somewhat complicated. I, I have many family businesses that, uh, do multi-million dollars worth of business every year and the you know up to when they 300 million dollars and and these are still considered small businesses in the small business world before we dive into your article which i, I want to spend most of the time on before we dive into that what are maybe two or three 
of the biggest challenges you see that are somewhat universal that for anybody watching this or listening to this, it's a, a small business, it's a family owned business. What are two or three of the areas of concern that you see both today and heading into the future? Uh, so, I, I mean, some of them are very pertinent to b businesses, but it's, that generational transition is a big issue okay. simply because uh, you do have a situation where if someone has started a business, uh, sometimes the issues around who do I transition it to? If I've got you know, multiple children, are they all involved in that process? How do I engage them all in that process? Um, do they all want to be involved in that process? You've got uh, other situations where they've got children, but they're not interested in the business. And so for, for people like that, their issue is they build up this legacy that won't necessarily have a future. It's about that it'll be sold off. Um, I actually, for me, one of the biggest issues is actually around big business and some of their poor ethics in the way that they manage their relationships with family business. So, for instance, when the pandemic hit earlier this year, I've got one client who has a large Australian publicly listed retailer who said to them, even though you've done work for us, we are going to take six months to pay your bills. And there was no way this business would have survived unless some of the government stimulus work that we've done in this country has actually helped them through. Now, this is a business, this large corporate is a business where you cannot leave the door without actually having swiped your credit card or paid by FPOS, right? So for me, that was unethical behaviour. And I've seen that time and again with large businesses. And we now are fortunately having, uh, we've got a, a dedicated uh, ministry for family and small business in the federal government here. Uh, we have an ombudsman that actually handles those sorts of relationships. Um, and so, you know, a small business can actually go to the ombudsman and, and make a complaint about uh, the, the large business activities. But I, there needs to be a change. And it's been interesting. Uh, the last few months, there's been a bit of conversation about ethics at the large corporate level. You know, mum and dad businesses, they can't operate like that. If they're unethical, they just won't have work. Right. They won't have a future. They won't have staff. Right. So, and, and this is something that I, I believe it's, that's a global thing. I see yeah. it happening globally. You know, I, I mean, you know, there's some large US corporates that will take 120 days to pay their suppliers. And not only that, you have to sign off on that before you actually become a supplier to them. Again, I believe that's completely unethical behavior. They're treating their small business clients as, as banks. Yeah. So listen, I want to transition a little bit uh, based on one of the first ones you mentioned, uh, kind of about that legacy. You wrote an article uh, back at the end of August called Abdication. You remember that article, Dean? I do. Indeed. Okay. Uh, I, I, I hope everybody will have a chance to read it. Uh, if it's on your website, I'll go ahead and make sure that uh, I tag it onto there. One of the things that you, you talk about on abdication really is about kind of where is the business successing to. You wrote this, uh, and I'd like to have you discuss it. Founders of family businesses tend to get to a point where they've decided the business doesn't quite excite them as it used to, or it has got to a point where they're comfortable, the business is ticking over, ticking over and they start thinking, what's next? Uh, both of those could be could be really and probably are very detrimental to not only the business but the other family members talk about that statement on in out of the article so um really from a from a family business perspective what i tend to find is you you see five-year um i suppose bites 
right? In the first five years, if I've started a business, I, I have rapid growth. Um, I make mistakes, but I usually only make the mistake once. I bend over backwards to make sure that if I've done something wrong, I make it better for my client. Uh, I'm really keen about building those relationships, but you tend to have very steep uh, revenue growth, profit growth. The second five years, you still tend to have revenue and profit growth, but it tends to sort of taper off a little bit. And one of the things that I see there is it's because um, the business has got to a level where we start to become a little bit more uh, systemized. We've got a bit more of a structure in place. You know, we may have moved from you know, the garage at home or the shed, and we've actually moved into some sort of formal premises now. Um, and so, but you're still having that growth. But in the sort of the, the 10 to 15 year period, you can have a bit of plateauing leveling out. And one of the things I've seen is that's because um, family business owners can get to the point where they say, well, geez, you know, I started with nothing. I'm turning over $5 million. How good is this? You know, I'm getting a new car every few years. I'm earning a good income. We've built a nice house, whatever it may be. Um, and they switch off or they do silly stuff, right? And the silly stuff is, oh, look, you know, I'm getting a bit distracted. So I'll go and do a property development. So, you know, I've seen people that have had great businesses decided to go and develop property and then they've lost money on the property and the business hasn't made money and they have had to dive back into it again. So part of it is about the fact that they do get distracted and they do get a little bit bored with the day to day. They don't actually consider the long-term evolution of the business. Um, and this becomes the case also when you see founders that are in businesses for a long time. So um, for instance, I'm working with a family business at the moment and the business has been around for 40 years. Dad's coming up for 70. There's three sons involved. And we're working through the exercise at the moment where we're going to actually transition uh, the sons into part ownership in the business. They're already involved in the management to varying degrees. That's been a very positive conversation and it's been a very, um, how would I describe it? It's been something that they've been planning the future for, right? Because they know that, you know, coming up to 70, because you know, Dad's 69, I call the nine years the thinking years, right? Yeah. People make really big decisions in the in the ninth year of their life, 29, 39, 49, mm. 59, right? Because it's by the time I'm 30, 40, 50, 60, I wanted to have achieved this and then not at that point. So we're having this conversation at the moment about how we'll transition that. So um, they're being really forward thinking because this is a business that has, uh, you know, it's going, it's going to achieve phenomenal growth. I've said for them for a long time, there's huge untapped potential in this business. And what I tend to see is, uh, you know, the founder in particular will take it to a certain level, but if you do the transition right, you can actually grow the business between four and 10 times in the second generation. Now, interestingly, I've got a number of second generations where that has happened. You know, you might've had a one and a half million dollar turnover business that's become a $10 million turnover business. Now, the revenue may not be high, but the returns are incredible for some of these businesses. You know, the net profit and the salary they're drawing and things like that. And, and it's because the second generation's come in, they've got a few new ideas, they've, uh, they've engaged their, their parents in the process. So there, there becomes almost like a real collaboration between the two. So one of which is, dad says, well, you know, I'm happy to get it to this level. Uh, but, you know, the next generation comes in and says, well, we could actually take it to the next level and there's that support to be able to do that. Doesn't always happen because it depends oh. on the... Oh, go ahead Sorry. and finish. I, 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 I was going to say, it doesn't always happen because it depends on the relationship between the, 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 the child, the adult right. child and the parent. Right. Well, and, and, and that's a great point because, you know, 
so many of these small businesses don't get to a point where they hire a CEO, like a hired gun to run the business. It's, it's, it's going from founder CEO to, uh, you know, son or daughter CEO, uh, potentially it takes a special something for the father, and I'll just, you know, let's just say the father and the mother own it together. It takes a special something to be able to take those new ideas from the younger generation who, and, and they may have gone to, to universities, they may, have, they may have done a lot of research. It's a, that's a hard transition because not only is it emotional because of the business, but it's emotional because of the family dynamics. And I'm curious, you know, in this article abdication, how much does family dynamics play a part in what the next step is? Oh, it's incredible. Um, I, I've seen, I've seen, um, so he, he's, here's the rub. Most people go into business between the ages of 30 and 45. So that could be the first, the founder of the business. To have a successful transition to the second generation, they too must be between the ages of about 30 and 45. Now, what happens in that bandwidth of ages, most people are either married or getting married, children come along, parents right. may be getting older, invalid, passing away, mortgages, you name it. It's, it's that really busy period in people's lives. Now, um, what happens is if your second generation is not coming through the business, by the time they're 45 and when I'm in coming through the business, I mean, sitting in the big chair, right? They should have already been spending the last 10 or 15 years from right from the base level, graduating through the business to, you know, from sweeping the warehouse floor to, you know, making the big decisions, right? Make, yeah, making exactly. important decisions. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So there's a, there's a, a business that uh, I um, once advised many years ago, fantastic business. Great, great, um, great family ethos i suppose yeah but dad just wasn't given up and um you know and there was a son who was 45 and it was like the conversation he would always defer to his father i mean there was incredible respect but in that business it actually needed a coup because what was happening was it, the business was flatlining because dad wouldn't make a decision and what eventually happened was that revenue started to drop away and you know the second generation they've already been there for a generation by yeah. the time that they're 45, if they've worked all the way through, which is the way it works. You, well, you, know, what, you know, it's interesting, Dean. And I, I have one more topic before we, uh, we, we finish off this incredibly interesting conversation. You know, one of the interesting things, I love small businesses. You do too. We talked, you talked a little bit at the outset of large businesses in corporate businesses doesn't work that way. When your time's done, your time's done. When the person working their way, uh, it's, it's amazing that's it it's both a, a a curse and a blessing i think for that the way it's the opportunity to succeed but it comes down to that owner to that founder being able to to have that vulnerability and the humility i think to say all right i'm going to start the process of walking away and that leads me to this and then this this will uh, you can take it home with this you said, hey, listen up. Just because you have a license doesn't mean you can drive everything on the road. Most family business owners in these situations give their chief employees who've previously driven a ute, I don't know what a ute is, but that's okay, the keys to a 40-ton truck and expect them to deftly maneuver it 
in all conditions the same as they, the owner, had always done. It's not going to happen. And this is the clincher, and I want you to talk about this, Dean. None of that is, success, none of that is a successful passing of the baton. All of it is abdication by the owner, and the fault of that only rests with the owner and with no one else. Uh, you don't have to tell me what a ute is. Uh, I'm sure it's a small little car based on the, the analogy, but talk about that abdication and, and really for any owners, regardless of what age they are now, this is stuff you have to start thinking about. Yeah, a ute is what you call a truck. Oh, okay. Right, and originally designed in Australia, by the way. I didn't know that. See, that's why I didn't know that. Yes, by Ford in Melbourne. Um, Essentially, what it means is uh, the, the, some founders do, they just take the decision, oh, that's it, you know. Um, so oh, I have one client and they, um, they had some colleagues who ran a business in a like industry. It was in the, um, in the nursery game and their children came in and took over the show because mum and dad decided that's it, we're going to buy the big caravan and go and tour around Australia and, you know, and the business was gone in two years. Mm. And the business was gone in two years because they'd not taken the process of um, speaking to them beforehand about, okay, he, here's where we are as parents. Here's where you are as children. The, here's what our intentions are going forward about where we're look, looking to take the business and where we want to be financially. Um, we we see that there's a, a, a transition that we would like to take place. And you can't just say, oh, by the way, this is all going to be yours one day. It doesn't work <laughs> like that because you may well find some of the children say, I don't want it. All <laughs> right. Right. And so and that in itself is a very interesting conversation because that raises questions around, let's say you've got three children and two are involved in the business and one doesn't want it. Well, how does that work in terms of the distribution of the ultimate estate and who pays for assets and all that sort of stuff? So it's a, it's a very challenging environment. But so they do this transition. There's no structure. We don't actually see whether they're the right person for the, the fit. Okay. And when I say the right person, what I mean is, you know, can they grow the business from a management perspective and a strategic perspective in the future? And some of them can't. Some of them right. might be really good bobcat operators, but it doesn't mean they can run a landscaping business. Or, right. right. And so it, it's, they, need, they need that, um, that ability to step in the chair, which is why I believe uh, the ones that have done really well is where they've, you know, the founder has said to Gen 2, you go and run this little project out here, whatever it may well be, open up a new store or, um, you know, run a, want to run a, uh, an engineering site and see how it goes. Now, sometimes, you know, to succeed, you actually have to fail. And so what the founder gets the idea of is where they've made the mistake in the process. And usually what they do is they give them something that's not that big, that it's going to bring the whole business down, but it's enough where it hurts. Yeah. And so, and that that's the only way that they'll learn because sometimes, um, the problem you find with founders is they'll say, well, I've started with nothing, right? I've come from a background of nothing. Uh, and Gen 2 has never been like that. Well, and, and Dean, you know, it's interesting. The founder also knows they made mistakes, but they were the only one there. So they, they, they gave themselves the opportunity to rebound from that mistake. That same ability to give that opportunity to rebound from mistakes must be given to somebody else. Yeah. 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 And, and, and they didn't have someone looking over their shoulder saying, oh, right. by the way, you made that mistake. <laughs> That's right. So listen, this was not a mistake having you on. This has been a great time. I do have one. I, I, I'm going to ask you a, a, an Australian pop culture question. This is your opinion. This is your opinion. I want to know. I'm going to give you three. 
I'm going to give you three, and you have to tell me which one is the greatest pop culture icon for Australia. Is it Crocodile Dundee, Olivia Newton-John, or ACDC? Ah, uh, the ACDC. Yeah, I, ACDC. and I love Olivia Newton-John. I just saw a great uh, thing on a uh, great uh, uh, interview with her, but it's probably it's got to be ACDC, right? Yes, uh, ACDC is a very interesting story uh, because it's family-based, right? Oh, very much. <laughs> Right. Didn't know that. Y yes, there's a there's a real family connection there. So the youngs, the young brothers are in there. There was another pop group prior to that called the Easy Beats that were started out of that. But the the family that took them to the top was a family based business that was a music producer in Australia that ran Australian music Australian radio stations. I actually heard that um, one of the, one of the members of the Albert family that brought ACDC to the fore speak many years ago. Uh, probably about three years ago at a, at a family business conference, incredible story about just how it all came. And ACDC were still using that family as their music distributor to this day. So incredible long life sort of relationships there. So to be that, honest, what, I actually not much, much into their music, but it's, it's in, even in America, you can hear their music. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm big into ACDC, but you know what? In case somebody, before I forget, in case somebody wants to contact you, Dean, uh, they, they, they can still, even if they're in the United States, they can still talk to you. Uh, tell people how to, to get a hold of you. Well, just my website, www.deanrobinson.com.au uh, or Google Dean Robinson and you will find me somewhere. That sounds great. Hey, everybody, you know where you can find, un by, by the way, thank you, Dean, for being here, where my you pleasure. can find Unleashed, the podcast. I told you, you can go to Google Podcasts. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to Spotify. Uh, come to my website, danweeden.com. You can find all the Unleashed, the podcast. In fact, if you go to unleashthepodcast.com, that'll get you all the episodes. For right now, for right now, uh, thank you to Dean Robinson. We'll be back with episode 10 coming in next week. I've got another uh, interview coming. Uh, but for right now, be well. And above all, please be unleashed.